Before we begin our Torah study tonight, let's pray together. Baruch atah Adonai Eloheinu Melech HaOlam, Asher Kitshenu B'Mitzvotav, Vetzivanu La'asok B'Divrei Torah. Blessed are you, Lord our God, King of the universe, who sanctifies us with his commands and commands us to engross ourselves in the words of Torah. During the days of awe, and especially at Yom Kippur, we may struggle to reconcile some difficult ideas as we're focusing on our sin and confessing our sins to the Lord and together with our community. And as we recognize that we cannot redeem ourselves and we confess, in fact, that we have no worthy deeds, that's when some people will actually feel worthless. For if we have no worthy deeds, doesn't that mean our deeds are worthless? And this is where it can become quite difficult. If our deeds are worthless, then are we worthless? And if we're worthless, having no worth or value, maybe you can see where this is headed because to be worthless and without any value, it's a terrible condition. And what is lovable about anyone who's worthless and without any value? And so it brings us to the point of struggle that I observe, have observed that many people go through, where Yom Kippur, which is meant to be a time of reconciliation, because atonement is meant to bring us closer to God. But for many people, the whole process may actually leave them feeling even further away from God. And they wonder, is it impossible to please God? Is God always angry with us? Is God always finding fault with us? Perhaps you were raised by an angry parent or a fault-finding parent that could make you particularly vulnerable to think of God in the same way, because our view of God is typically shaped by our relationship with our earthly parents. And those whose religious upbringing emphasized the wrath of God or the strictness and the justice of God, they may experience Yom Kippur as yet one more time when they feel even more worthless. And that means one more time to feel even more unloved. And so we have to ask this question, is God really a loving God? And that's what I want to explore with you tonight. And I think that the life and the death of Moses, which we read about this week and for a few more weeks, they can actually help us with this question because this week and in the coming weeks, we read about Moses not going into the promised land because of his sin. In Deuteronomy chapter 32, verse 48, it says, that same day Adonai said to Moses, go up into the Avarim range to Mount Nivo, to the land of Moab across from Jericho, and look out over the land of Canaan, which I'm giving the people of Israel as a possession. On the mountain you are ascending, you will die. And you'll be gathered to your people, just as Aaron, your brother, died on Mount Or and was gathered to his people. The reason for this is that both of you broke faith with me there among the people of Israel at the Meravat Kadesh Spring in the Tzin Desert. You failed to demonstrate my holiness there among the people of Israel. And so you will only see the land from a distance, but you will not enter the land 
I am giving to the people of Israel. Wow. So there you have it. Moses and Aaron. Moses and Aaron both fail, and they fail to demonstrate God's holiness. They broke faith with the Lord. The Lord tells Moses, in, in fact, in a way, he tells all of us about this because we read this. Moses, you're only going to see the land from a distance. You will not enter the land. And then in upcoming readings in Deuteronomy chapter 34, starting in the first verse, it tells us this. So Moses ascended from the plains of Moab to Mount Nebo to the summit of Pisgah across from Jericho. And there Adonai showed him all the land, Gilead as far as Dan, all of Naphtali, the land of Ephraim and Manasseh, the land of Yehuda, all the way to the sea beyond the Negev and the Aravah, including the valley where Jericho, the city of date palms, as far away as Soar. Adonai said to him, to Moses, this is the land concerning which I swore to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I swore to them, I will give it to your descendants. I have let you see it with your eyes, but you will not cross over there. And so Moses, the servant of Adonai, died there in the land of Moab, as Adonai had said. Wow. So Moses sees the land, but he doesn't go in. And, and for many of us, this would be such a crisis for ourselves. And even as we read about this, we might, we might wonder, is it even possible to please God? Is, are we all unworthy. If Moses is unworthy, are we unworthy? And I want to remind you that when we say we have no worthy deeds, I just want to remind you of something. I've spoken about this in the last few weeks. When we say we have no worthy deeds, it's a very significant thing. It means we have no deeds that are worthy of redeeming ourselves. We have no deeds that are worthy enough to make atonement for our souls. That's specifically what we're saying. Because actually, some of our deeds are very important. And much of Moses' life was precious and exemplary and full of faith. But he, like all of us, could not redeem himself. Well, Moses sees the promised land, but he doesn't go in, go in. And you know what? That's not the end of the story. The next verse is quite important. And it's one I want to use to open up your thinking about the relationship of Moses and the Lord, even at this moment, and also the relationship between those who sin and the Lord. So this is what it says. And he buried him in a valley near Beth Peor in Moab, but to this day, no one knows the exact place. That's how many translations put it. The Hebrew, though, is quite clear. It does say he buried him. He buried Moses. That's, that's pretty clear. But the question is, so who buried Moses? And I think it was the Lord. And that's why I think the better translation is the Lord buried Moses. The Lord buried him. And I think 
It fits the Hebrew best. It also fits the reality of the relationship between the Lord and Moses, and it fits the traditional Jewish translation for this. The Lord bearing Moses. The Lord was there with Moses when Moses died. The Lord prepared Moses' body for burial. Think about the details. The Lord buried, that can also mean he prepared the burial place. He dug out the place where Moses would be buried. And the Lord conducted the funeral. What kind of funeral? A special funeral for Moses. All of this teaches us that despite Moses' failure, the relationship that Moses had with God was not destroyed. And that's why Moses could sing praises to the Lord, even as he was about to die. Even though he could not go into the promised land, Moses still loved God, and he knew that God still loved him. And imagine this, the Lord buried Moses. What does that say about the Lord? It teaches us that God still loved Moses, even though Moses sinned. Moses and the Lord are reconciled. The Lord buries him. The Lord is with his great friend, Moses, at the end. And the Lord takes upon himself the responsibility to bury his friend, Moses. Moses and the Lord still close together. That, in fact, is a beautiful story. And for those of us who are messianic, we know that God can be present in our time-space world. He can be with us. So the idea that God could manage to physically bury Moses, well, that works for us. So the Hebrew is fine with us. And maybe not for everybody, but for us, it absolutely makes sense. And here we have a really important lesson that's taught through the narrative. It's narrative theology. We learn about God by learning about what God does. We learn about God by learning how he works in history. We learn about God by seeing his character revealed in the stories of his relationships with people. And that's why we have much to learn by reading this passage. If you've been struggling and thinking, if you have no worthy deeds and you can't redeem yourself, or you've been confessing your sin and, and you cannot save yourself, and you might just think, oh, I'm so far away from God, I want to reassure you about something. And that is, if you put your trust in the Lord, if you have faith that God has come down from heaven and become our Messiah and our Redeemer, that Yeshua is Adonai and Mashiach, if you know that he died for you and for me, and he rose from the dead, then I want you to be assured of something, because Moses had some experiences of God that were absolutely amazing, where the Lord came down from heaven and stood next to him. And that tells you something about the God of Israel, that God, according to the Torah, is not just a God who's far away and out there and who is holy and completely unlike us, but we were made in his image. And not only that, he lives not only in a high and lofty place, but he lives with the contrite and the lowly. So when you confess your sins, 
and you have faith in God and what God has done in as Redeemer for us through Yeshua, by Yeshua, by coming as Yeshua, if you have faith about that, I want to reassure you of this, that you're like Moses, that you know that God is your Redeemer, and you know that he loves you, and you know that even though you sin, when you confess your sins, he is faithful, and he is just to forgive you of your sin and to cleanse you of all unrighteousness. And the distance between you and God is overcome. This is why also Moses, in chapter 32 that we read about this week, in in verses 3 and 4, he can make these incredible proclamations. And he says this, I will proclaim the name of Adonai. Come declare the greatness of our God, the rock. His work is perfect, for all his ways are just a trustworthy God who does no wrong. He is righteous and he is straight. And then a few verses later, in Deuteronomy 32, God is described as the rock and the savior, the rock of our salvation, and the rock who begot us, the rock who fathered us, the rock who brought us forth, the God who gave you birth. That's our God. He is our rock, and he is our redeemer. He's our rock, and he's our fortress. And this also is what King David learned and why one of King David's songs is included in this week's Haftorah. And it says this, Adonai is alive, blessed is my rock, exalted be God, the rock of my salvation. Chai Adonai. Say that with me. Chai Adonai. Adonai lives. And then one last reference. It's in the book of Revelation, chapter 15, starting in verse 3, and it says this, and they sang the song of Moses, the servant of God, and the song of the Lamb, saying, and, and we'll get to the words in just a minute, but when, when I read that, I like to think that this is a song that Moses and Yeshua wrote together, but I also wonder whether it was a duet that they sang together too. In any case, these are the words of this song. Great and marvelous are your works, Lord God, the Almighty, righteous and true are your ways. King of the nations, who will not fear you, Lord, and glorify your name? For you alone are holy, for all the nations will come and worship before you, for your righteous acts have been revealed. What a wonderful declaration by song. Moses wrote songs to the Lord to teach us something that even at the end of days and even after he learned that he could not go in to the promised land because of his sin, he was still at one with God. He was still at peace with God because he knew that God was his redeemer. He knew that his sin had been paid for. He knew that God was with him, and God demonstrated it so many ways, even at the point of death, where the Lord was with Moses and the Lord buried him. I can't think of any other funeral like that, where the Lord does the burying. 
Wow. Those of you who struggle and wonder with, uh, you, you wonder about the love of God. Can you pay attention to your sin and still experience the love of God? Well, Moses is a great example and teaches us, yes, we can. And he teaches us to sing. And King David, who also sinned, learned to sing to the Lord. And he knew that God draws near to those who are contrite and those who are lowly. Listen, my friends, if you've been going through these days of awe, if you went through Yom Kippur, very alert about your sin, but you began to think that that perhaps you're unlovable or that God doesn't love you, I want to tell you this, that the love of God has been demonstrated. It's been proved because he came down from heaven and he became our kinsman redeemer. And Yeshua died for us and rose from the dead so that we would have resurrection life too. We could participate in resurrection life, in life from the dead. So let me encourage you, don't, don't fall into a trap of, of guilt and shame and separation from God. God has made a way for you to be reconciled. That's the whole purpose, not only of Yom Kippur, but of God becoming the Redeemer, of Yeshua being Adonai and Mashiach. Take this to heart, I hope, and let's pray together. Lord, we thank you that you love us and you prove your love to us. Thank you that you've made a way to reconcile us to you so that our sin would be atoned for through Messiah and we would not be separated from you. We love you, Lord, and we thank you for your forgiveness and your steadfast love. In Yeshua's name we pray. Amen. Well, I want to invite you again to join us next Saturday morning for a special Sukkot celebration and picnic. We will be waving the lulav and etrog and rejoicing together on Sukkot starting at 1030 in the morning at Beth Israel Messianic Synagogue in Jacksonville, Florida. It'll be a wonderful time, a special time of celebration and a picnic too. And we're going to have a very special uh, Sukkot picnic, Israeli picnic lunch with falafel and hummus and pita and salads and more. I hope you can join us next Saturday for Sukkot at Beth Israel. In a moment, we'll be closing with Aaron's blessing and then a final worship song. But first, would you consider standing with us financially? If this live stream is a blessing to you or for Messianic Jewish teachings podcast or sanctuary services or any of our ministries are a blessing to you, would you consider blessing our ministry? All the information can be found at our webpage, bethisraelnow.com slash giving. Let's close now with Aaron's blessing. May the Lord bless you. May the Lord keep watch over you and protect you. May the Lord cause the light of his face shine upon you. And may the Lord be gracious to you with his favor. And may the Lord lift up his face to you and give you peace in the name of Yeshua the Prince of Peace. Amen.